All right, we're going to go straight to the Word. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation today. I'm going to read from the NLT and then the NIV as well today. Somebody say amen when you get there. I'm going to give you all a little bit longer. That wasn't enough amens. 1 Peter chapter 2. Amen. Awesome. Very good. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I praise you. I love you. I thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us, God, not to just be the hands and feet of this church, but this community, this state, and throughout our nation. God, I just ask that you continue to bless this congregation, God, the ones sitting in the seats and the ones that are online, God. I need them to know and understand that they are your children, and only blessings follow with your children. You promised us that, and I claim that over this congregation, God. I ask that they don't forget that, that they never sway with negative thoughts or, or, or doubt. God, that, that is not of you, and we know that. I ask that you take all that away from them, God, and you replace all of those thoughts with your peace for this congregation. I don't want to thank you for your son. This next week, it's so exciting to me to, to have our first real Easter service here, God. And I just, I, I think back for the last year, and I want to thank you for the humility for just the, the lessons that have been learned in such great moments. I thank you so much for this last year. I didn't think I'd have said this a year ago, God. I, I, it was tough. But so much has been done. So much has been learned. God, again, the humility that you've taught not only myself, but our congregation, this church. I just ask that you continue to do that, God. I, ask, I, I pray that you continue to do that. Keep us humble. And God, in this moment, I ask that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. God, take all selfishness, anger, pride, take it out of me. God, I claim this. You have a message that you want to get across today. Take all of that away from me, God, and just replace it with your love and your breath to give your message. God, I love you and I praise you. Thank you so much for the times that you've been there when we always need you the most. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us forgive. Amen. Dead gummit, I forgot a tissue. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, last week, I ain't gonna lie, man, I was a little jealous. Um, you know, sometimes I, I, I want these breaks, and I do need these breaks, but then I, 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 I sat in those seats, and I watched Don come up here and kill it, and I was like, man, I, you know, it kind of made me look bad, but 
Y'all give Don a round of applause for that sermon last week. I don't mind looking bad from him. That's okay. I mean, that's, you know, he's, that's why we call him St. Don, right? Today's title of the sermon, Meekness is Not Weakness. If you notice, I put Palm Sunday on there. That is today. For those of you Christians that don't know what Palm Sunday is, we'll get into that. But that's what today is. I try my best to, to be a meek person. Uh, it's something that I, I, I think I've gotten better at. But I, I still struggle with it. Um, you know, to be meek is something that is kind of frowned upon with our, the world we live in today. I'll just say that. And, you know, meekness is something that when you look it up in the Bible and you start to pay attention to the people that had meekness in the Bible, it ends up being something completely different than what our world perceives it, Right? Webster's Dictionary actually, meek means having or showing a quiet and gentle nature. This is someone who does not want to fight or argue with anyone. We tend to associate meek with words like timid, soft-spoken, or weak. So we concluded we have to be shy, unassuming, and afraid of confrontation to live up to the definition of being meek. So we should strive for this meekness that Webster's Dictionary describes. I mean, after all, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I mean, am I right? But should we reach after that meekness? That's not the meekness that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5, 5. The meekness that he is discussing to you is completely different than what Webster's Dictionary tries to say that it is. That same word in the Bible, if you translate it, that word is actually meant to describe in the Bible war horses. I want you all to follow me with this. The Greek word for meek is praus. If I'm not pronouncing that correctly, I'm not Greek, so it's, it's all good. You spell it P-R-A-U-S. Prouse is, is the way I'm going to pronounce it. I looked it up, okay? That's what it sounded like, so that's what I'm going to say. This means power under control. Man, that sounds good, right? Like, that's a whole lot better than this other meekness that we're trying to figure out the difference between from what Webster describes and then what this book describes. But power under control. You see, a war horse was trained to obey instantly and absolute regardless of how brutal the battle was. So that's what they used to describe war horses back in those times. Meekness or prowess. These war horses were tremendously powerful. Now I want y'all to get this. Yet their power was under complete control. And though they may not have been gentle to their riders, or excuse me, and though they may have been gentle to their riders, they were fierce in battle. Okay. Gentle to their riders, but fierce when it mattered the most. I want y'all to catch that. That's what true meekness is. When you're walking your everyday life and you're not going through a battle situation, a war, if you will, these horses were gentle. I want y'all to pay attention to this sermon, and I want you to keep asking yourself throughout the sermon, am I a war horse? 
should have titled it that. Am I a warrior? That's what I should have titled it. That gummit. That'd been so much better. Anyway, so just keep that in mind today, okay? Can you change that real quick? Keep that in mind. Uh, I want to go and I want you to look and see what Scripture says about these war horses. Guys, there's a lot of reading that I'm doing today, so there's not going to be just a ton of Scripture on the, on the screen. So I'm going to give you some time to get there, but we're going to go to Job 39. It's verses 19 through 25. I'm not going to wait too long because I've got to get through this sermon. We've got to go feed. Here's some amens. This describes it. Have you given the horse its strength or clothed its neck with the falling mane? Did you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snorting is terrifying. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. The arrows rattle against it and the spear and javelin flash. It paws the ground fiercely and rushes forward into battle when the ram's horn blows. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. Get this last one. It quivers at the captain's command and noise of battle. I want to go look at just that last verse, Job 39, verse 25. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. It quivers at the captain's commands and the noise of battle. The part I want you to pay attention to is it quivers at the captain's commands. This horse is powerful, right? War horse, powerful. That's what we've been talking about so far. But it still quivers at its captain's commands. That's meekness. You have that strength, you have that power, but when God speaks, you listen. Jesus was the ultimate warhorse. He was uh, com- complete power, and he was under control, right? I mean, that was Jesus, right? Had all the power, but he's under control. He's under control of his father, okay? You see, a lot of people have power and try to enforce it way too much in the wrong situations. But true meekness is having the power, but only using it when absolutely necessary. That's a big problem that I see in in the homes today. Okay, I I got this the other day. Somebody sent me an email. I I get some really ugly emails sometimes. But but I I got one that that was like, you know, you just you beat up the men, you beat up the men, you beat up the men. Well, you know what? We're tough. We can handle it. Just get over it. That's that's what I wanted to reply. I didn't reply that, but that's what I wanted to reply. But I see this a lot in homes, right? The man is the spiritual leader of the household, and there are times that we do not use that correctly. It's very important that we do, because obviously, again, you're going to see this passed down from generation to generation. I know we talk about it all the time. Again, get over it. I'm going to talk about it again. It is so important, guys, that we use the power and the authority that God gave us as a husband and a father and not a man. Y'all follow that? 
guys, I need some head shaking from the guys. Y'all are like ready to hit me because you're like, I know it's one of y'all might have emailed me. I'm sorry if it was one of y'all. I apologize. It was a really weird email. I really don't know who it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So, so one time, you're talking about, okay, like it's authority, right? Because we're the men, right? We're spiritual leaders of the household. We're in control. It's our job. Like, like this is my domain. You know what I'm saying? Like that's why are you women looking at me crazy. So, so one time, all right, so, so, right, we're the spiritual leader, so we've got this authority, okay? So, so this one time, one time, one time, my wife made a mistake. One time. Okay, so, so, so she made the mistake, and I knew she made the mistake. I knew it, man, I knew it, I knew it. I didn't even have to Google it, like I knew it. I knew <laughs> She made the mistake. So, so I'm, 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 I'm thinking about, all right, when's the right time to enforce my authority and let her know that she made a mistake, okay? And, and I'm not going to tell you all the whole story because, see, see, there's this thing called a safe zone, okay? It's, it's right here. I'm going to stay in the safe zone. I can't go and indulge this story, but all I'm going to say is, is at some point, I decided it was time to indulge my authority, you know, I've been meek, now I'm going to, this is the issue, this is where you messed up. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, don't, just, don't, just don't do that, man. I'm just being honest with you. Uh, you know, if, if, if she makes a, a big, big mistake, you know, that's fine. But see, this wasn't even a big mistake, because she don't really make, you know, big mistakes. This, this let me rephrase, she... She never makes big mistakes. So this was a small mistake that she made. Don't, don't correct those. All right, choose your battles, men. Understood? Okay. We'll continue, and uh, I want to continue on, and we'll come back to Jesus. But first, I want to discuss another great war horse from the Bible. A lot of y'all know this. is Moses. We're going to go to Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Now, the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Even though Moses was meek, he was no pushover. We all know the story of Moses. Any man that is that obedient and will speak to a burning bush, he's got to be a little crazy, but he, he's, he's stout, right? This is the man who confronted Pharaoh. I need you all to understand, Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world at that time. Moses literally walks up to him and confronts him and tells him to let the Israelites go from slavery. That takes a stout person. But again, we're reading in the book that he is the meekest man that was on the face of the earth at that time. Just another example that meekness is not weakness. Okay? He used that authority when God told him to. Moses is one of the most obedient men to ever walk through the Bible. When God tells you you can step out of that, what we call meekness, that's when you can. Need to remember that, guys. Don't overstep your boundaries in those areas. I want to show you the other side of Moses and his meekness. I want to go to Numbers chapter 12, uh, the one that we just read. Okay, that verse actually came. I'm going to read where that verse came from uh, to kind of give you an overhead. Let me get to it here. This is, Moses is being verbally attacked um, by Myram and Aaron, okay? We're, we're going to start, again, I'm going to read this. Numbers chapter 12, we're going to read 1 through 13. 
Are y'all already there? Y'all are doing a good job. Y'all like knew that was coming. Good job. While they were at Hazroth, Myram, Myram, excuse me, and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a he married a different race of women. It's not this. It's crazy that they had the issue with this. But here's the thing: I really don't believe that that was the issue. The more that I read this scripture, I want to follow up with this next. They said, "Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't He spoken through us too?" Okay. To me, I think they were trying to find an excuse to be upset with Moses. They were trying to overstep their boundaries. They had become jealous that God would speak to Moses and not to them. So instead of just coming up front and telling them what the issue was, it sounds like obviously they're trying to go around it and come up with these excuses and so forth. And anyway, we'll carry on from there. Obviously that would upset a lot of people, but the Lord heard, or excuse me, hasn't the Lord spoke through Moses, but the Lord heard them. Moses was very meek. He was meeker than any other person. We read that. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Myram and said, Go out of the tabernacle. Excuse me, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Myram, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, Now listen, this is what I have to say. If there are prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. All of my house, excuse me, of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with them, and he departed. As the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Myram, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. When Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, Oh, my master, please don't punish us for the sins that we have committed so foolishly. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at birth. This is the part I need you to grab. Verse 13. So Moses cried out to the Lord, God, I beg you, please heal her. <laughs> this is, <laughs> okay, Moses has so much power. He is the only one that hears God of the Israelites. If you notice, he said, of, my, of all my house, he is the one I trust. That's what God said about Moses, okay? So Moses has all this power. He has God on his side. He has people attacking him criticizing the woman that he married, but not only that, then turning around in his pure jealousy. God punishes him, and Moses starts crying out. He didn't have to do that. That's a meek man. That is the strength of godly meekness. He didn't have to attack them at that point in time. Instead, he showed sympathy, forgiveness. Don't we all struggle with that? That's a struggle, right? Like, y'all, somebody, do we all struggle with that? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm like, I ain't, I ain't the only one in here, I promise you, because I know a bunch of y'all. So, like, <laughs> forgiveness is tough. If you want to be meek and if you want to inherit the earth, like Jesus said in Matthew, the first thing you have to do is you have to forgive. You have to. 
if you can't get to that point, you've lost the battle. And it's hard. And I know it is. It's always a hard thing to forgive anyone that would hurt you, your, 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 your family, your, your, your counterpart, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. You know, my brothers in Christ, I mean, anything like that. Meekness starts with forgiveness. Period. Let's go back to the greatest horse of all time, greatest workhorse of all time. I want to go back to Jesus. Let me get my other Bible. I want to go to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. We have now reached Palm Sunday in the Bible. Got any amens out there? Awesome. So they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage of the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her side. Unite them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say to the Lord, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, 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 and riding on a donkey. And on a colt, the fowl of the donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks over them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. I'm sorry, man. I, I get... I get real choked up every time I read that. And, and the reason why is because all those people that were praising Jesus in that moment, I want y'all to think about this. A week later, a lot of them denied him. They praised him one moment, and they denied him the next. And, and my two brothers came up here Wednesday night, and they preached a sermon, and this is the people that they were talking about. There will be people that stand at the gate, and they will say, Lord, God, let me in. I used your name. I used your name to cast out demons. And he's going to look at them, and he's going to say, I never knew you. And that's these people. That's the ones that were tearing down palm limbs and were throwing their cloaks down at his feet. And I promise you, a week later, some of these people denied that man. Peter was one of them. Here's the thing I need you to learn, and this is what you can learn from Peter, even though Peter denied him, and we'll get into more of that next week, I know. You just got to go back. Just don't keep denying him. Right. 
I want you all to catch something about how meek Jesus is. I want to go to Matthew 21, verse 2. Go to the village ahead of you. This is Jesus speaking. And at once you will find a donkey, excuse me, donkey tied there. I can barely read that. With her colt by her. Unite them and bring them to me. Okay, so here's the thing. I need you all to catch this because it, it took me a minute to figure this one out. Jesus not only said, you know, hey, go get a donkey. First of all, I don't understand that. Like, if you're the son of God, why are you riding in on a donkey, man? Like, I want a stallion. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want, like, you know, what, what was a never-ending story? A Treyu had that horse. Anybody born in the 80s know what I'm talking about, never-ending story? That's what I'm talking about. Great movie, right? Yeah, I talked about that last night with somebody. Okay, so, so never-ending story. You've got this powerful horse, a Treyu, that, that a Treyu has. I can't remember his name. He's sunk in the, in the quicksand. Anybody in here know his name? I might give a, like a rainbow unicorn away if somebody can give me that answer. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, I don't remember it either. What was it? Falcor. Falcor. That's it. Very good. I really don't have a rainbow unicorn, though. I apologize. I'll bring you one next week. I'll bring you one next week. So, so Falcor, that's what I'd ride in on, right? Like, if you're the son of God, you're going to ride in on, on the stallion, Falcor. Okay? That's what you're going to ride in on. But instead, Jesus decides, no, I'm going to ride in on a donkey. Well, there's two reasons he did that. Number one was to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken about. Number two was to show meekness. It was to show humility. He's trying to show everybody there, I truly believe this. He didn't want to sit on a stallion where he was above everybody. He wanted to sit on a colt where he's eye level. I need y'all catch that. That's Jesus. That's the meekness of Jesus. But not only does he do that, he picks a colt out who's with his mama. He picked out a mama's boy on top of that, right? Like he didn't pick out like a tough colt, you know what I'm saying, like a manly colt. He picked out a mama's boy. He was such a mama's boy, if you read on, the, the mama had to come with the colt. Like he didn't want to leave the mama, okay? So that's how meek can you get, right? Like that's, anyway, I had to point that out. When I, when I get stuff like that, I just, I got I to point out. But that's the meekness of Jesus. That's what I love about this man. Right after this, I need you all to understand, Jesus went to the temple. I want to pick back up at verse 12, right where we were, Matthew 21, verse 12. We skipped down a couple verses there. So keep in mind, Jesus is riding in on a mama's boy donkey, showing the meekness that he is, the humility that he is. Keep this in mind, right? With meekness, you know, everybody looks at that as weak and so forth. Yeah, then Jesus goes in the temple. Jesus enters the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. He says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Like the title, meekness is not weakness. Jesus rides in on a donkey. The next place he goes is to the temple. And he sees his father being dishonored. And he steps up. But this is what you got to catch about this. Number one, you got to always remember in those moments that you are allowed to be upset... Jesus does, excuse me, God does allow that. Don't go to sleep on your anger. But it's only when it's directed at the right person. 
you are not to be mad at those people in the temple. You're to be mad at Satan for overtaking those people in the temple. See, we have a big problem of attacking people. It's not people that's the problem. The problem is Satan. We need to understand that. We need to remember that. Every time you get upset with someone, you've got to think about it. This isn't them. They're a child of God. They have peace. They have love in their heart. Something has happened that has overtaken that. The other thing that I get from this is Jesus didn't just go in there and flipping tables and, and, and get mad and throw everybody out. No, he taught in that moment. He said, it is written. He's teaching to them. My house will be called a house of prayer. He's teaching. So the times that you do lash out, number one, make sure it's aimed at the right person. And then number two, make sure it's teaching somebody something. Because if it's not, it's just anger. And anger is completely of the devil, right? You always want to make sure that a point is made and that something is taught in that moment. If not, just keep your mouth shut. Let's go to Matthew 21, 14. Actually, you know what? Hang on, time out. I'm sorry. No, go back, Nick. You did good. Okay, so right after he does this, this is Jesus again. This is the meek man, right? I'm going to show you how cool he was, right? Rides in on a donkey, a mama's boy donkey. Then he goes and flips some tables, and then he turns right back around. And this is what he does. And those who were blind and those who limped came to him in the temple area, and he healed them. So when you're doing the work of God, you cannot stay mad. If you're going to be a strong Christian, you better have a short-term memory. Y'all feel me? I mean, immediately Jesus is like, you know what? Somebody, I mean, the blind are coming to him, the limp are coming to him, and instead of him still being angry, because like, man, that's like me, right? Like I get mad, and like I'm mad for, for a while. You see, see, and, and so I don't, if, if the blind came to me, so I wouldn't even see him. I'd just be, I wouldn't. I'd be blinded by anger. That's a problem, guys. I got to do better at that. Jesus wasn't blinded at all. Heck, he healed the blind. You see this? Short-term memory, guys. If you're going to be a strong Christian, if you're going to make a difference in this world, you've got to have a short-term memory. Love Jesus. Man, he's so cool. Amen, right? Now, during this, all this going on, the chief priests and the scribes saw what was happening, and they immediately began to plot to kill Jesus, which leads us to the cross, and that's where we're going to pick up next week. Amen.